Welcome, everyone. This is the place where we talk about food in and around Victoria, BC. And today, I'm on location, the first time doing this outside, but I'm not actually at Harvest Road, but I'm talking with the owners from Harvest Road. So I have Brendan and Jenny with me. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, Dallas. Hi. You know, I, I think the way I should start this, just to sort of lay it out for people that don't know you two, is last year at the breakwater, because I frequently walk the breakwater, I was walking and then this person just comes immediately up to me from the others, like coming out towards me, just comes up to me and gives me a huge hug. Pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, pre-COVID. <laughs> let's confirm that. But yeah, Brendan came up and he just gave me the biggest hug. And I think that that kind of speaks to who you are as people. Huh. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I always get reminded of now when I think of Harvest Road. It's just the warmth and um, how ethical everything you two do is. Because I, I really feel like you could be cutting a lot of corners, but you, you don't do that just because you, like, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Right. It's essentially the way that, that, I, that I interpret how, my interactions with you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, we absolutely built everything with a lot of intent to, to make it. Um, we came up with sort of a mission statement about how we wanted to operate, um, what kind of ethics we wanted to carry in our operations. And, and the process, yeah, was, uh, you know, the, the industry, there are a lot of, of suppliers, folks that'll come, come talk to you that, that, you know, things like offering you vegetables from an, you know, a very, short distance that have already been shipped somewhere processed and then sold back to you at a cheaper distance and or cheaper price and you can even buy them from the farm yourself because they have wholesale buying power there's things like that that the industry is just makes it tough to um like you're saying to stick to your gun sometimes when the bottom line starts getting a little a little iffy but we've just we started the restaurant um as a, an expression of our passion for this area um the food that comes off the farm obviously this is jenny jenny's family's farm um she's lived here her, her whole life her and for, for people that don't know this is at mitchell's farm i don't know if i mentioned that before i don't think i did no but yeah. when, you, when you are driving out the highway everyone knows the blue building of mitchell's farm right yeah. the store and then right behind that is where harvest road is located right right behind the market kind of hidden on the path. And that's one thing that we hear all the, on the bike path we hear so often is that folks had been visiting the area and, and didn't realize that we were back there. And um, they were either recommended um, through word of mouth or, you know, just kind of were at the market and and smelled something, you Peaked know, smelled good food, came around the corner. <laughs> and uh, and they're always really pleased to find out that we're back there. It's, it's pretty cool kind of being that, having that hidden gem um sort of mentality uh it definitely if i had a marketing background i don't think it would be like the home run <laughs> being a hidden gem but um like we we've kind of we've kind of uh, adopted that and and let the word of mouth kind of do its thing for us as far as advertising rather than 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 you know putting our name on buses and stuff like that i think getting out um was part of our growth too to be sustainable in our ways so that we could do things like stick with, um, you know, sourcing all of our ingredients the way that we wanted to and presenting, never compromising on quality, no matter how we grew. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, like in that burger, in the Harvest Burger, everything inside the bun is off the farm, right? Nearly, except yeah. the tomatoes. 
Okay. Because we don't grow tomatoes um, in this area of the peninsula. There's actually a ban, which is interesting. Um, so we get tomatoes from Sunwing, just over on Oldfield, which is about, I don't know, two kilometers away. And we use that. Those are the tomatoes we use in our fermented ketchup as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, that break that burger down. Um, it's beef from the farm, a hundred percent beef, uh, raised here on the peninsula by you know by Jenny's cousin really. Um, the the rancher we is is um, you know everything's arms arms length in that sense. Um, we know everyone by on a first name basis. Um, and that beef is is on site. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the, and that's one thing actually because you guys were bringing in other beef and sort of mixing it previously, right? We had, um, our butcher would say, you know, if he, he would say we could top you up with other local farmers at the start. And that was something that when we were building our beef program and developing our relationship with how much we were going to be using, um, we had, it was very difficult for ordering and that sustainable growth. And, um, the idea of, of going just local Saanich Peninsula, just local Vancouver Island, um, was was a way that we was a bit of a stopgap at the start when we when we opened up and had full intent of being 100% um, beef raised on this farm, but it was a, like a a bit of a hiccup just to get there, to get production, to understand how much beef we were going to need, um, and have that much that beef raised and ready, um, and and raised ethically here on the farm, and uh, now we hit that mark, you know, shortly into the. Yeah, I think year two. We were 100% Mitchell beef. It's actually kind of cool because my cousin Greg, who's raising the cattle, he does husbandry. So he's actually breeding on our farm. And so the cows we're getting, like we are seeing them from day one. We know their entire lifespan, which is kind of unique. Yeah, you know exactly what they've been eating. Mm-hmm. Like 100 yeah. million percent. Yeah. Which is, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and we owe, we have something written on our... I can't remember the exact phrasing on our mission statement, but it talks about, you know, meat ethically raised here by farmers we know um, in fields you can view from the restaurant while you dine, which is something that's really cool, super unique. Um, the four corners on the highway is all part of the farm and pasture land is uh, rotated around those periodically. So it's it's pretty neat how um, there is, you know, the the extreme of our of our our sustainable ethos of of sourcing things locally without a lot of transportation and that's sort of that's one thing that does need to get cleared up is that we sustainable to us means produced here um and 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 not necessarily brought in by a ton of boats and a ton of trucks and and using a ton of fossil fuels to get food that's already being grown right here um is that called food miles food sustainability you know um being being a, an island, being able to feed ourselves as an island, um, and yeah, people talk about benchmarks like those, uh, the yeah. the the miles, and and tout us as a zero mile, uh, zero mile burger. You know, people go on those hundred mile diets and things like that. Um, zero is pretty ambitious, <laughs> but <laughs> well, I mean, because you guys use Portofino for the buns, yeah, but and they, some of that grain comes off the farm here. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they buy grain from us. Um, they showcase it in a number of products uh, that they have. The bun that you know, the the products that we that we 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 really vetted that process. We you know we found we found folks that uh, producers that were 
in line with with what we were doing, using cool products, using local products wherever they could, featuring them, bringing bringing attention, doing their own to bring attention to uh, local food sustainability, and that's how we we kind of made a lot of our partnerships initially. Yeah. And, you know, there was like, there was a hierarchy, obviously there was like, has to taste great, has to be the greatest quality, has to, has to be ethically sourced, has to be local. And then, and then once we sort of roped in how far we would, you know, we, we always say like, it's like a couple, like two kilometers at the furthest, I think to Berryman's and, and, uh, level ground moved a little bit further. They were, they were closer. Um, and then they moved to their new building, um, but yeah, I think it's like a little two kilometer bubble if you had to throw down a, a polygon on a mapping software of all, everybody that we source our our um our mains from. Yeah. Um of course we've built new relationships, people like uh Christine at Cultured Kombucha. She's in Esquimalt. Um, She's awesome. I've actually done one of the kombucha making classes at her warehouse of uh I think the beginning of last year. Oh fun. Where she produces it. So she actually gives you the class, teaches you how to do it, then you go home with enough to make two batches. Oh, cool. Oh, and, really? and, and she gives you part of the SCOBY, like the 80-year-old heirloom SCOBY or whatever that she has. So that was really <laughs> neat. Just on a side note. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, this is all going to be tangents and side notes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so that's, an, that's a product that, you know, she's making, she's got, she's putting her heart into. And we've, once we found it, we developed it into some of our, our cooking. We use that as this, the, the same, her kombucha, we just use in its straight form as the kicker for our, um, our fermented ketchup. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I had no clue about that. And she, she taught me a, a ton about when we were fermenting pickles, she was saying, you know, you should use green tea in your brine, um, gives the tannin, gives it, gives a really cool crunch and flavor. And, and that was something that was really fun to play with and, and interesting having someone who's, you know, got a big fermenting background because we're trying like we, you know, whole like live probiotic, non, uh, you know, not vinegar pickled products, all these things, um, has been something that was one of those, uh, those fun projects that we got to develop over the years. Once, you know, once we took care of things like having enough beef to source locally, having what, you know, what our price is on, 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 head lettuce so we didn't have to get tempted by those you know those big producers that are like we, we can buy the same lettuce from your farm chop it up send it back to you and it'd be cheaper than if you bought it from the farm yourself that's so crazy yeah i know isn't it like uh, how much of that do you think goes on it uh, must be a lot right yeah and and Huge and, and to be honest like aside from the fossil fuels involved um there are a lot of like that isn't everybody's mountain to die on and i and there's no I have no sense of um, of feeling holier than thou for for having that that within arm's length kind of um, product line. Um, so you know, suppliers, people are if you're choosing Vancouver Island or you're choosing BC products already, like you know, there are different levels of, of how far you want to peel the onion back of how how sustainable you want to be, and and there's definitely one thing like that. I never want to be casting any shade on on folks that are doing so and folks that are producing those products here locally. Um, we've just chosen to go our own route of, of like, you know, the first name basis with all the farmers that we work with. Yeah. Things like that. I mean, I know that you guys do leave a lot of money on the table. You could definitely cut corners, but I mean, when you have that burger, for example, the harvest burger, you can just, you can taste the difference because I've come here a couple of times recently with some chefs and like, they all acknowledge that you can taste the difference. Like it's very clear that the meat, 
Like when you when you look at that burger, it doesn't have a whole bunch of crap, like sauces and all this stuff mixed all over it. Because you don't you don't need to do that. Like you're not trying to hide anything. The flavor of the meat itself is so unreal that it just shines through on its own. And and if you were to pile a whole bunch of stuff on it, it would actually be doing doing a disservice. So I think it's fantastic that you guys have been able to sort of bring it back so it's all off the farm and just let that go through because you can very, very clearly taste the difference. Yeah, we try to make it just a really approachable, delicious burger, <laughs> you know, and like you say, not hide behind a bunch of other ingredients because, yeah, the, the, the beef is so delicious. It's so, so good. And Jenny always says, like, you can't fake freshness. You can't fake quality. Um, you can you can dress up farmer's daughter for right sure. <laughs> right and you can dress like you're saying you can dress up a burger and you know what to be honest we go out for those burgers sometimes ourselves oh, of course, of course. You know, like, they're that. so good i'm not gonna say no to blue cheese on a burger sometimes i'm just not gonna put it on mine dude i love blue um, cheese on a burger so much <laughs> yeah like especially a lamb burger oh, oh yeah just get two yeah. strong tastes together totally oh totally we uh yeah and you hit it you hit our our intent is was you know, even when we developed our fermented ketchup, it was interesting. It was, it was a, a lot of tasting happening and, and we were saying, you know, is this going to, is this going to speak too loud and take away some of the voice of, you know, that the product that we want to be showcasing, um, same as the bun, you know, we wanted, we tasted a whole bunch of buns. We wanted something very simple, but that held up, didn't ever fall apart in your hands. You know, those are little details we cared about. Um, but just making sure that it didn't speak overshadow anything that we were trying to get across and the aim that we wanted to get across was you know this is a just a, a really simple delicious burger all, 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 most things on our menu in that sense um and do you guys have binders in the in the meat no we no binders in none of our meat it's products a, it's just beef yeah and a little bit of seasoning that's the way you hope it is. My secret seasoning. That's the way it should be everywhere. I know not everywhere does that, but I would, I would hope. So how long, what's up with the secret seasoning? It's salt and pepper. <laughs> well, it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> I know. I'm just being honest. It's that, maybe that also speaks to how good the beef is. Wow. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Jenny's so good at holding a secret. She held that for about three seconds. One inhale, one exhale. <laughs> so what else is going on with the menu right now? What, uh, the, else, what else do you have on the menu? Because something got taken off, right? Yeah, the menus. Yeah, uh, we cut it back a little bit just to speed up the flow inside the kitchen right now because we can't have quite as many bodies, but we still have the classics on there. The smoked sausage, that's a big hit. We stuck with the the big sellers from years past. And another really popular one is the breakfast sandwich. Oh, I love the breakfast People sandwich. People go nuts for that with the raw spiralized beets. Yeah. It's the beets so were good. an amazing touch because I had that one a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I had the, the burger and the breakfast sandwich. And, and this, oh, combo. you doubled down. Yeah. I, I think that everyone, just get both. Yeah. <laughs> like come hungry and get both. <laughs> and you'll be very happy when you have both. We, uh, that the breakfast sandwich, sometimes you're like, you have a guest that, that wants to hold something and you're like, are you sure? You know, this is like your fourth time here. Like, I think don't hold the beats this yeah. time. And they're like, you know, I, I know what I like. And I'm like, I think I know what you like more. <laughs> Just don't hold the smoked habanero mayonnaise and then they eat it in there. Oh, that habanero mayonnaise is insane. Yeah, it's killer. <laughs> and that's that's probably maybe the only secret sauce in the house that we have. We, yeah. uh, I've been making that um, that hot sauce since I we lived up in Port Hardy. That's a fun one. My buddy Brooks and I kind of made it up one day smoking habaneros in like a tiny, um, one of those home 
like home fish smokers. smokers. Yeah, yeah, backyard smokers, homemade guys. And uh, and then we, we've just been playing with that. We talk over, a, we have like a text thread every now and then and I'll send him a jar of mine. He'll send me a jar of his and we'll <laughs> talk about who's nailing which, which parts of the flavor profile more. It's pretty fun. And then do you guys share like information? He and I? Yeah, like like secrets? Yeah, of course. Well, he, he's not in the culinary industry, so I can, I can share whatever I want with him. He's not going to be uh, taking our hot sauce out and, and branding it on our own. It's a, it's a project of love with between <laughs> he and I. It's very fun. But we, uh, yeah, that's a cool one. We smoke habaneros and, <laughs> and pickle them. We smoke them first and then pickle them. Um, and there's, uh, you know, roasted garlic and some veg from the farm involved in that too, which is... Uh, it's been one of those things that people are like, when we're closed, people are trying to contact me to get some of my smoked habanero hot sauce in the off season. It's one of those little things on the menu that um, we did go outside. Like Jenny said, there's no nightshades grown here on the on the peninsula, so you can't get um, Bank- or Sandwich Peninsula habaneros. So you have to source them. You have to get other growers, greenhouse growers, to to grow you enough habaneros for the season and set down with a bit of chunk of time and make something that, you know, it's just this beautiful product that we, we like to show off on lots of different ways on the, on the menu. And you guys, you have a hot sauce that's available sometimes, right? Or was it just, is that not for sale? Once in a while, Brendan yeah, one. decides he wants to sell a few, but okay. So that's it's, that not one. A, just, it's not a usual thing though. No. And cause like sometimes you have jam, right? I always sell jam in the market. Yeah. Always. Oh, it's in the market. Always. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I probably should start selling it out of Harvest Road too, actually. Yeah, why not? Why not? It's nice to mix it up. Like little Jenny's jam. I do like window. I do like sending guests into the market once they've tasted the beef. You know, once they've had had our produce from the farm, um, it's pretty cool when they say they ran into you by mistake. They came to the restaurant. They took a wrong turn. They were going to go to Island View Beach. They ended up having a burger, and then which, by the way, just to sort of cut you off. But getting your food, I mean, eating outside of Harvest Road is amazing, but going and eating at the beach because it's so close, like that's a that's a winning, win, winning combo. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. We have a ton of folks that tell us that at the window that that's where they're headed. It's pretty, um, pretty ideal little location in that sense. Um, but yeah, we'll, wrapping that up is, you know, someone will take a wrong turn, end up at our place and have a meal. And then... You see him leave with three bags of groceries from the market too. You know, it's got Jenny's jam in there and they're like, oh, what about that that I tried there? And yeah, that's, in, <laughs> you know, in the cooler inside, go try it out. So it's kind of neat to, and that's, that really hits on what we're doing with the restaurant. The restaurant was, um, you know, Jenny and I fell in love through our, our you know, our desire to, to have adventures and to, to new ventures and to try new things and, you know, the way that that meshes when the rubber hits the road with being, um, you know, fifth generation, uh, farmer, farmer's daughter, you know, there's, there, there's a little bit of heat on Jenny to, to be in the driver's seat of a tractor, you know, when it comes time to planting. Um, and, and we do participate in farming here on the, uh, on the farm. Um, but, opening the restaurant for us wasn't this the goal this goal to have our own private venture and break off from the farm it was a way for us to to be a part to have have a way of associating with the farm with something that we could you know in our own way enrich um and enrich the the experience of people other other diners in the area like our clients our guests 
um, as well as build these relationships with our neighboring farms of other places we want to showcase like square root farm where we get our organic greens that are on our smoked sausage. Um, you know, that's, that's a relationship that just came out of uh, a friend who was coming up to the the window, Ilya and, uh, and ordering a, his regular Sunday burger. And we chatted with <laughs> yeah. him for a couple of years before we found out that he had a product, he had the very product that we were waiting for, you know, to, um, yeah, some a kind of spicy Ilya. green. Yeah. Why didn't you tell he's us holding. this like day one? Yeah. He's too humble. He's the best. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, th- that was really our intent, you know, of, um, how did Harvest Road start? Like, well, because you're saying like this wasn't an intent necessarily to break off and become uh, like a private business or whatever. But how did the idea come up? How did it all start? Um, I think we were in Nicaragua. Well, we were living in Nicaragua. I had always, when I was younger, said like, we should have a cafe at the farm, you know, but it never really became anything other than a thought. And then, like Brendan said, we met, we fell in love. We loved food and cooking. And we were living in Nicaragua and we were kind of deciding, like, well, maybe we should move back to Canada. We're like, well, what, what, what should we do? What would we like to do? And then we got- I was like, why don't we do this? <laughs> and you were, you're like, yeah, why don't we do that? Basically. Yeah, we realized that it had been a dream for both of us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you have a background in food as well? Yeah. I mean, I got through university and then tech college um, by tree planting in, in the summers and then working in kitchens or front of house, um, you know, during the scholastic year. Um, and, yeah, we both. And Jenny cut her teeth in local businesses out here, you know, um, and and worked in culinary in in kitchens on Salt Spring, as well as in, in Nelson, where we had, ended up meeting. We met in Nelson, BC. Um, sorry to hijack your story. You can hop in at any point. Um, <laughs> how, long ago, how long ago was it that you met? Uh, like over a decade, I think. Oh, wow. We were, yeah. tr- we were head scratching trying to figure that out recently. I mean, it would probably be. Yeah, it was funny. Even our anniversary. I was like, is this our fifth year anniversary or what? Coming on number six. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I never know when Brendan knows. <laughs> That's funny. But we mixed it up for a minute. We were telling people this was our sixth season of Harvest Road, but really it was our sixth season of just surviving each other in marriage. Um, yeah. But uh, it was fourth season of Harvest Road. Fourth this season. Is, yeah. And what were you guys doing down in Nicaragua? So we, so we yeah. yeah, we were in Nicaragua. We were basically running a surf camp, like a surf resort, kind of like this boutique small one. Um, it was basically a sabbatical in a way because we had both been working in biology on the northern tip of Vancouver Island um, doing environmental monitoring for the big wind farm that went in up there 55 wind turbines I don't know how long it was like a two-year project yeah it was very extensive and um, and then we went to Nicaragua and we were there for nearly two years and then we decided to do Harvest Road and we actually bought the structure for Harvest Road sight unseen like when we were still down there in Nicaragua I was calling my dad like, hey, what do you think about this? Brent and I are kind of thinking it would be cool to start this up. And he started like going on this chase all around trying to find us a kitchen and he would be sending us photos all the time. <laughs> and then we're like, OK, this one looks kind of good. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. But we realized when we came home, I'm like, yeah, my dad's uh, a farmer, not a. <laughs> our, our idea, our, our idea of a dream kitchen. And, and it's a bit and, different. Yeah, we were a bit divergent on our. On that sense. Yeah. So we were running 
a resort that had a kitchen in it and had a restaurant in it as well. Yeah. And it was our friends, um, a friend of ours owns the a, a Swiss couple, um, you know, and they they taught us through the mentorship a lot about running a business, a lot about their um, their values as far as as guest services uh, being hosts um, and and attention to detail that was invaluable information. Um, and then of course it was in the third world country. So we had to source, build relationships with it. You know, it was all now knowing where we're standing. It makes sense. Um, at the time it was like, how, why are we trying to track down someone to sell me a lobster? Like on a beach, like I thought, like, uh, you know, I thought this job was going to be different than what it was. And, you know, driving around, like going to different villages and picking up different supplies that were available and building connections with suppliers. What was, to, what's the most route. interesting experience you had trying to source something down there? Does anything stand out? So, yeah, I, I blew it with that. Well, Carillo, our, our boat captain would like, he was like emergency lobster supplier. So if you could, if you could find lobsters, you would be able to buy it from another, um, supplier that would come on the regular but if not you'd have to call in a special favor with carillo and and he so he'd show up on his motorbike and he'd be like just lobsters in his lap <laughs> <laughs> just cruising up and be like you know the guy's still the lobster's still squeezing its hands you know it was um it was you know very fresh product always they, he lived in a in a fishing village that was right where we launched our boat for the for the resort when we did surf, surf guiding tours. So that was always an interesting one. And this, I mean, we were there, um, six years ago. Um, you go to the same village now and things, things are set up. There's a bunch of hotels, there's a bunch of, uh, stores. Um, it's just progressed really rapidly. And we kind of left right at the, right when the door started swinging open to more development. Um, and people kind of piggybacked on those relationships that were really hard for, Phil and Sarah, the owners of that resort, and Jenny and I to kind of maintain and build and foster at the start. Um, so it was really good experience for learning how to work with, um, you know, other personalities in in the supply chain. Um, and and then uh, there was the obstacle of uh, Jenny not speaking Spanish when we first moved there. Um, full Spanish-speaking staff, local Nicaraguan staff. Um, all of our phone calls were done through procurement for procurement were done on the phone with in very fast Spanish, very dialect heavy version of Spanish. Nicaragua has a, a really unique, unique form of, of Spanish that doesn't have a lot of letter S in it. So you learn quick how to speak Nicaraguan Spanish and it doesn't really translate that well at other places. But so we, we, we finished that that work that as Jenny said was a sabbatical for us to do a hard reset button on what we wanted to be doing um back here in our home life and we decided not to return to project management and biology um where we were working and started the business um bought that bought the structure from the Sydney Lions Club actually they were using it as a concession it used to be called the Lions Lunchbox um and, and so how did you actually find that? Because so your dad was trying to find places. Did he find that, he that found trailer? It. He found it. Okay. So it finally... He found it in an auction. Or it, yeah. Yeah, it, it had been advertised and then he put a, put in a bid. It was funny. He prepared like three bids. <clears throat> he was like, I've got this 
piece of paper with this bid, this bid, this bid. And they were, it was like an escalating scale. And, and we thought, okay, well, hopefully. And he came back. He's like, we got it. And I was like, well, which bid did you give me? He's like, I gave him the highest. He just I'm was like, too excited. He just went all in. Yeah. yeah. No like, negotiating so whatsoever. How much he just, do we owe you? <laughs> he just takes care of business. And, and I'm sure it, it was one of those experiences that saved us a bunch of hassling back and forth, just got down to business. And then another one of those lessons, you know, you give, you want something, you don't let it get away from you. Yeah. Um, cause but, I think for what you're doing, like that trailer and the way, the way the whole place is set up is like perfect. Like I can't imagine you being in a, in a building somewhere or something. It, like, it doesn't make sense when you, when you have what you have. Right. Yeah. And, it's, it's pretty cool the way it's set up. I that, was happy with how it turned out. That like, trailer is oh. licensed as a building, right? It's not actually a mobile thing. No, it's a, we're a mobile we're a mobile restaurant that's not allowed to move is the way that we're licensed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was an, it, like. Wrap your brain around that yeah, one. Yeah. Find, yeah. Like it has wheels. Finding, but, finding uh, the sweet spot with, um, with the district, with, uh, bylaws and things like that. They were, you know, they all really played ball because of mostly because of relationships that the farm already had existing. Um, and so we use some of the retail space that was allotted to the farm at, at our space. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was like a wiener, like a hot dog and, uh, bags of frozen fries, kind of assembly line kitchen, uh, run by volunteers, man, they must've been like hot and hard work for those guys. And, uh, and when we got it, um, it was like Jenny said, it wasn't quite what we expected as a commercial kitchen. And we needed to put a bunch of our own, we ended up, you know, put doubling down every, basically every month dollar that we invested in buying the structure we then spent again in the renos so does it look radically different inside than it did at the start yeah we gutted it like we fully gutted it really? it had the grill in there and the deep fryer with the hood fan we kept that but yeah down to the floor and the walls everything new and then we got all the stainless kitchen gear you know the fridges and all that it was kind of like a little apartment kitchen in there when we got it like proper cupboards and like an apartment fridge and like like it was just—it was pretty humble. It's like yeah, someone's <laughs> I mean, little house. And now it's—it's it's still humble, you know. We're we have that open, open style where people look right in and see what we're up to. Um, so having really like non-porous, really obviously clean surfaces that you can keep very clean and maintain yeah. and and inspire that confidence in people that are watching you in the process of of cooking your meal and often, uh, you know, engage in conversation as you're making your meal or their meal. Yeah, that's what's pretty fun, I find, being behind the grill. Like, whenever I worked in kitchens in the past, you're always in the back, you know? But you come to Harvest Road and, like, you and I chat at the next window, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. People come, meet Brendan, hang out, and then they slide on down to my end. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. And I do have to say that with COVID and the restrictions that are put on you guys, I think you've done an amazing job with the actual space and managing the distancing and, and everything you guys have done. I think it's it's a quite amazing how just how awesome it is. That means the world to hear. Yeah. Um for us it was uh how difficult was that to come up with sort of the the final product that you have? I think the difficulty was initially deciding whether we wanted uh whether it was the right move. Yeah. Opening again at all. Um you know, it was we didn't we, our open date felt like right at the start of quarantine when we would usually annually do it. And, you know, it just looked really ominous. Uh, information was really like 
really patchy at that time. We didn't know the severity, the way that we were, how well BC and the island, man, you got to applaud us or applaud the island for, and BC. Go Dr. Bonnie. Um, I got to say like the Vancouver, like living on Vancouver Island right now, like we've won the lottery of the world. Right. Yeah. It's insane. And, and everybody taking, stepping up and doing the right thing right off the bat. And then wanting to maintain that in what we did professionally as well was, was the, the struggle. We were, we didn't know whether it was the right move to, to come back into the industry, um, provide a source of competition potentially to other places that may be more tied to like lease situations than, than maybe we were. Um, and, and, and come in and then also ask employees to come into something that you know, before we had their full backing that they wanted to be there. And that's where, you, you know, they, they felt safe. And we built the, what you complimented is the system that we have, um, is a, is a process that came from consultation with our, our potential staff, our staff, our returning staff, and, uh, some thought and some, and thinking about, you know, the way that our restaurant has always flowed and wanted to maintain the, you know, it would have been, would have been a weird situation, I think, if you were at Harvest Road and it was very sanitized or uh, like sanitized to the to the degree of of feeling sterile. We still wanted to have you still want the feeling of being outside, eating outdoors. Um, but of course, we've added a number of steps. We have a you know a, a, a bussing position that wasn't there previously, where we have someone who goes and sanitizes every surface and but doing and adding other roles, um, but doing that with a human approach rather than, you know, a bunch of posted gigantic signs and very inundating, um, you know, all these new rules that everybody has to follow. I think that we're, our nervous systems are so, you know, twitchy right now with all these new rules and all these new things that have been thrust upon us in this new cultural climate. Um, and, and, uh, it was hard to, that was the challenge of, bringing Harvest Road without compromising the kind of the, the, cool, I think, the cool calming experience that is eating, eating on a farm right next to yeah. where your vegetables are grown and, and spending time outside that. and riding your bike to it. And, you know, so those are things that were, that we didn't want to diminish that experience through the way that we found, uh, you know, to, to, to un, unveil kind of our new plan that our safety plan that I think is running really smoothly. And then most that's, 99% a testament to our guests that are just compliant, uh, come out and, and want to, um, you know, respect each other's space and, and we've just provided the space for it. And it's, it's really just like, cause you proactively like got like inspected, right? Yeah. We, yeah. We sought advice from the health board, um, you know, in consultation, um, to, for how we were, what measures were considered an industry standard, WorkSafe BC, et cetera, um, for the health and well-being of our staff, um, and then and then how we could also, like I said, be approachable, have the place be be still comfortable um, was the the balancing act. Because you, you accomplished it a million percent. It still so. has the same exact feel, but yeah. just the way you have sort of the like go to the far end, go that one direction to go get in the lineup to be there. And then just keep it moving. And then there's all the space that you could just sit out on those um, tables. Like the, it's, did you take any tables out or add any? We removed some from the lower area, like the gra kind of the gravel area right in front of 
the where you order and pick up your food. Yeah. Just to give it a bit more space there when people are kind of coming and going and getting their meals. Are those ones now up on the grass field instead? Yeah, we put some up on the grass. I think we still don't have our, we're still not quite at our usual seating capacity, but. Yeah, that's that's correct. We're not. It, and people are always say come in and say, "Wow, you have so many more tables now. It's so great to see." <laughs> yeah. and, think but it's just, it's just it's that illusion of space spread yeah. out more. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you do have a ton of room. That was one thing, you know. Like it was all about maximizing a serviceable space at the start, um, and then now with a fresh perspective of providing people with that space, we we kind of lucked into it. Of course, uh, well, I mean, maybe we planned into it, but um, having the space that we do have. Um, the way that we arranged it, we we were able to achieve, you know, um, a large area for people to to have uh, not feel like their space is, is ever really compromised. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had lots of people say they like it more this way. And which is, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. Which is winning right now. <laughs> yeah. If you're like, if if we're coming out of this uh, pandemic with things that people like more, ways of doing things that, that work better, um, that are, you know, Things you might not have otherwise tried. Totally. Yeah. Because totally. it was exactly. working before, right? I mm-hmm. see that as a huge win. Yeah. You know? And how's business been for you guys so far with the the season this year? It's been pretty great. We're yeah. so stoked. We have had such an awesome response from, I mean, Brendan, we, you and I were talking about this the other day. Like, it's so cool because basically everyone that's coming to the window is from around here. So it's really fun to kind of build these new relationships with all these people that are going to come back and it's been awesome we had we had our busiest day ever uh last weekend yeah like ever in in the four years that's incredible and that was that was on father's day yeah father's day did you get a lot of fathers coming in or was it yeah yeah? i think so yeah yeah a lot of like um you know children buying dinner for their for their dad and stuff like that there's such a there's such a wholesome feel about our place like there is that um, Jenny mentions, you know, the meeting new faces and seeing them again at a later date. Um, there's such a sense of, of like a different form of success in that, in that you just get so much, uh, gratitude and appreciation from people for what we're doing. You know, there is a genuine feel that people are, are, um, are, are happy that we're back every year we open they say oh you know I've, I've missed you during the off season um and uh i'm so happy to see you back and I, I i never tire of hearing that um it's it's this year is is a really special one of course um because uh you know everybody is being very conscious about supporting local and 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 doing such a tremendous job i know um and we're having a ton of fun with it too. Like we, we went and visited our friends at Whistlebuoy for their one year anniversary last weekend, stood in line for two hours to get into the place. <laughs> and, and I, and wandering mollusk was there doing oysters and burger crush was doing their burgers. It was all so good. And, uh, I still haven't been, is it, so is it, how do you oh, pronounce man, you it? You gotta go Whistlebuoy. Boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, I haven't been there. I know I, I, I oh, need to like go. A, Vic, Victoria Sammy. Hack because it's right near the water. It's got all the sun exposure, yeah. but then it's in market square. So the wind doesn't come in. And they've got a pretty big patio set up there. Yeah. Right? And, and they encourage, bring your own, bring your own food. Then they, they partner up with, uh, you know, like our friends at morning people, they have their truck parked there sometimes. Oh, you know, you know, uh, yeah, John's our homie. yeah. Really? Yeah. I love him so much. Oh, he's the best there. I mean, yeah, they're, we're really, 
we run in a really cool circle in, in being in this industry and being in Victoria and you, as you obviously get so much exposure to like our peers are just, uh, we're so fortunate to be surrounded by so many inspiring, um, other chefs. Other... I got to say that makes total sense that you guys would be friends. It was funny. Well, the morning people guy. Yeah, of course. But we, I met the whistle guys out back of the restaurant one day cause they were getting berries to put in one of their beer blends. And that's how we met. I was like, who buys this many raspberries? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we got this new brewery. We're like, okay, well, we're coming. <laughs> it's the spot. But it's just like, but yeah. I was hitting on, yeah, and that's so cool. Those are another one of those things where it's just like having a cool a product that brings attention, the berries on this farm, you know, um, ends up introducing us to someone who makes beer. Luckily, we really like beer. And, uh, you know, you have these new relationships that happen. Um, and, uh, and then you support each other and that's what everybody's doing right now. We're kicking ass supporting each other, uh, as a, as an Island. Um, and that was that experience going to their one year anniversary. Uh, we waited in line for two hours, which is something pre COVID. I can't imagine myself doing, you know, like we were, time has always been so valuable, but now everybody puts this, this, uh, which is so refreshing, um, puts their energy to, you know, committing to these social times that we have and, and that their space lends so well, cause it's outside. Um, and you know, they bring your dog and sit, she comes and sits with you on your Friday night. You know, that's a nice thing for us. Cause we're in, we're working all day and then we want to get home and hang out with, with Rooney and bring her out with us. So a place that offers that, which is something we do at our place too. Yeah. We're stoked when people bring dogs by our restaurant. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that, that waiting in line thing, um, it was, it was cool because we're all, we've all sort of been training for it a little bit through COVID of like when things reopen, you know, now we learn how to line up appropriately and also plan our day that, you know, we had a, so much of our social time just in that lineup. We only, we probably sat down. It was probably one-to-one the amount of time. Um, and which is just sort of how things are going now. We tried, we had a date night a couple weekends ago. And just trying to plan where we were going to go, trying to do some recommendations that you had sent us. And um, we tried to check out Brasserie Lacole and just the way that everybody, we're all having to adapt. And But taking it uh, as as guests um, in a compassionate way and understanding that, that those businesses that have served us in, you know, to the way that we wanted to be served as consumers for so long have their own restraints and, and, and approaching that as, as guests, you know, which is something that we're so blessed with all of our guests sort of seem to understand this, that, you know, the, we're all calm. We've all had to make compromises behind the scenes to be open during these times. Um, and, and just sort of accepting it and acknowledging that, that everybody's doing that and appreciating the, you know, the opportunities that we do have. So we see folks queuing up at our place, standing in line, um, and the line looks longer because it's everybody's six feet apart when it, it used to be a lot tighter and you hang out, you go, you're outside after the, the day kind of cleaning up and someone will bike by and it'll be a regular and they'll be like, Oh, you were too busy today. You know, I got to come back on a Wednesday. Um, and, and they're like, you're getting, you're getting too busy for, for us lo- regulars, you know? And we're like, no, it's the same, same lineup. Yeah, it just looks a little longer. And, um, and then your food's just as fast, like if not faster, sort of we've, we did trim the, the menu a little bit to expedite the process. That's where, um, you know, things that were sort of time sinks that were, uh, 
on the menu that weren't helping us get to like sub 10 minute chit times ticket yeah. t- ticket times um at our place you know you, you if you are investing time in the experience it's usually in the line to make your order once you get your food and you hang out um we kind of get that in your in your hands as quickly as i think is possible given the space that we work with and i had asked about the ice cream but is the ice cream happening this year we're doing cold comfort. We're, th- we're showcasing Autumn's products from Cold Comfort this year exclusively. Yeah. I, I just, I miss the strawberries and the Vancouver Island sea salt. Yeah. I miss it. I do too, man. I've been enough. craving it so badly. I miss like looking at it, leave the window and seeing that face of the way people look at it. If like right a long lost lover. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it definitely would be a long lost lover for me. I would literally get five of them. Unreal. <laughs> It yeah, you're not the only one, Dal. Maybe we have to have it. like a <laughs> Sunday day. Yeah, yeah, and the, we talk about stuff like that, like ambition, new things that have kind of come out of uh, being able to operate, like not being so hypersensitive of being, you know, well, you beat, get beat up to- on on a review site or something if you don't satisfy the hours that some customer wanted wanted you to be there right when they wanted them. And and you just get beat up online about it. Does that happen very often? No, it's the exception, and that's yeah. not the yeah. But it's um, funny people don't take time to write positive reviews; they take time to write negative reviews. And that's that's <laughs> one thing actually that we touched on in a recent podcast you know? that I had here, where um, I wish that when people did have a bad experience, that they brought it up directly with the business, yeah, and give the business an opportunity to actually rectify what happened. And if they don't act properly once you bring it to them, then then like leave a review. A review. Yeah. But if I I'm of the opinion that if something bad happens, and you bring it to a business and they they rectify it or they go above and beyond, it's almost better than if nothing happened because you got to see what kind of character they actually are. Because that I mean anything can happen at any time. Somebody could be having an off day and they made totally. a mistake or something. Totally. But uh, it's it's really when something goes wrong, how does that business react to it? So I'm, I'm really, yeah. And, I'm and that's, that. That, that's one of those neat things too. Cause I get a ton of FaceTime with guests. Um, when I'm out, I kind of get a chance to go out and ask people how their meal was fairly frequently when I'm tidying up the front and then being quite often, uh, you know, the, at the point of sale, um, you get feedback all the time. And, and like you said, it, it can be so constructive if you get it, uh, in the right setting. Um, it, and it, it's tough when, like, whoa, man, we used to live and die by that. Like, cause we worked in a hotel, yeah. uh, trained in a hotel that marked its, its, its measure of success on its TripAdvisor rating, you know? And so we, we kind of came home thinking that that was, um, how you live in this, yeah, in the service industry. Um, and yeah, it was, it's a trip. I mean, we, we learned to get over it. Um, we learned that, you know, that those voices, you know, it's you take them in context. Um, and, in but we do, it does, it does gut you. Cause it's like, this is our life. This is the, the, the restaurant really represents us in so many ways. Um, and, but we've had so few and it's definitely not worth this, not putting this much time towards, but, um, no, but I think even too, like when you do when it doesn't happen that often, it's not like something you really can get used to. No. Especially when it is your livelihood and you're putting your, your all into it. But at the same time, like, um, you can't please everybody. No. You know, so if it happens rarely, basically you're killing it. Yeah. And if you want to stay up at night about something like, like you said, stay up at night about, about not 
not living to your own standard of like what you set out to do. That's where those are the battles that we have. You know, we you, we see another way of of another more local pro, or product that we could be working with. You know, how can we incorporate that? How can we how can we strive to have um, you know dive deeper into our zero waste program and things like that? You yeah. Know? So one one interesting thing about COVID that's sort of sort of happened is you haven't been able to fully like before everything used to be composted on site that came out of the window. Mm-hmm. Like you spent the extra money for the packaging for everything. So it could be composted on site and you're not, you can't do that right now. Right. Yeah. There, no. and but we're, there's some limitations, like a lot of single serving things that are yeah. coming out right now because you're not allowed to have a communal bottle of something. There's uh, contaminants that, um, it's a work safe thing that, that the a compost site can't have post consumer products that somebody's touched or licked or whatever. Um, so uh, that's one thing that we think is, is days away from getting back to the way that we built it. We designed it and we're watching, we're watching, you know, these phases on, on, uh, be on, unraveled and we can't wait to, you're probably going to be so stoked when that gets lifted. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's my favorite part of the day is taking that, that bag of compost that represents every guest that's come to the to the restaurant you know and it's all post-consumer products anyways to start with it's all been recycled or sourced sustainably and then taking it to the site and then looking and not seeing anything from the previous day it's already been run through already been mulched already is a part of uh you know the nutrient cycle and and is being actively composted and then you see a truck drive by the restaurant with a heaping load of compost going to to fertilize a field you know and and it's like the full circle of life it's pretty cool Mm -hmm. that that's one of my favorite things too is when you're sitting down there and um and a tractor drives by it's just such a different (laughs) feeling from everywhere else right totally and that's the other day someone walked by with goats oh i love it i love horses getting tied to like the bike racks that's one of my favorites how often does that happen you get a couple every year for sure there's yeah there's those are those gems that are like the experience some people and I know and I understand it uh, the pace of life um that people that represent hurdles to people coming out and kind of exploring the Sandwich Peninsula sometimes I think it feels like this nebulous area that's uh oh my gosh it's not in Fernwood or it's not within five minute three minute walk from downtown um and but once you get out here, it's like you said. There's that pace of play that happens. Uh, just life around you. There's a tractor cruising past, and there's, you know, everybody's waving out of their window. And I know that my sister, when she came from Toronto, she was just like, "Oh, do you know all those people? Like, is that someone you know?" I'm like, "No, that's just sort of the community. We just wave." And like, she's like, "Oh, cool." Like, it's just sort of such a different thing, right? Yeah, just, people drive by Harvest Road all the time, honking their horns, like. Just saying hi, <laughs> you know. Totally. Everyone on the tractors, hello. I love it. I mean, and that that's sort kids of kids out there for the tractors. Like for me too. Like that. That's just a. Uh, it comes down from the top, kind of, is how I look at it. So that's like the culture that you guys have sort of cultivated. That just it's just a, a feeling of warmth. I think, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, man, and and it's so cool to like all that time you spend outside. Um, interacting with guests who are having that experience and i like i probably am killing this uh, expression by using it too often or this sentiment but my favorite thing to hear is when i i I ask someone how their bike ride's going and they go it's it's going great i'm halfway done because that means that they we were their destination yeah 
and uh, and they're going to go back home afterwards. And and we were the the motivation for them to get out and do something that's really good for them, have an experience of time um, with their family or with their friends out in in nature. And and the uh, thing is, too, when you eat at Harvest Road, you don't walk away feeling gross. Like you could eat a bunch of stuff and you walk away with like more energy than you went in with. That's that's one thing I've noticed. It's like Garrett. That's great. Remember when Garrett Shack was in the kitchen for when we filmed Cooking on the Coast and he was like, he's ribbing me for being so lean. And he's like, how, how do you, how do you maintain that, that being lean living in like, I was thinking I was, I was running the deep fryer at the moment, but yeah, like you're right. Fast food ish, you know, the, the food that we serve, uh, the really approachable Canadiana, um, you know, staples, the uh, smoked sausage, uh, really good fries that are made with BC potatoes that are hand cut in house, a burger, um, those done right, you know, um, are showcase healthy ingredients more so than, you know, like than a lot of prepackaged, uh, you know, heavily processed, heavily and- processed, heavily, um, preserved products. Um, I think, I think that this what we're doing you know i remember when that cooking on the coast episode came out we did it was sort of a string of media that we had right off the bat because people were saying that we were doing something new and jenny adamantly said that we weren't she said she refuted that she said no we're not doing anything new we're doing something that my grandma would have been used to when she was going to get a burger she would go to the the farmer who has the best product that she knows of has has um the closed loop of of product control where she knows that that person has um raised that meat in a way that she that aligns with her value system with a quality level that aligns and then that's the person that she would buy beef from and go home and make dinner for her family um we're doing something that's sort of old old-fashioned actually not that progressive just kind of kind of like forgotten about in a way yeah but yeah. um, I wish you guys weren't like an extreme outlier in that sense of what you're talking about, but you really seem to be. It's, it takes a lot of effort. And I mean, it, you have to really care to want to sort of operate on the ba- bounds that you guys do. Yeah. And convenience is appealing. <laughs> oh, 100%. But, you know, and like we have we have other things, too. Like we're working in a limited space. So we we don't have room. Like we can't just get a bunch of stuff and stockpile it and do a bunch of prep for like days and days ahead. Like, is that actually like maybe a strength in some ways? Of course. Yeah. yeah we, like we, going back to things being fresh, like it forces you, we're, right? We're getting lettuce that's picked like that day. Yeah. You Cause know? You, you don't have any really, no storage in there basically, right? No, no. You know, we do our prep and basic, we're basically prepping for every single day. And if we run out of Aside from a few sauces and things like that, you know, like it's every We run out of corn day. in the fall. It's not a, a call to some some big truck to, to run it over to us. It's a call to Jenny's dad. And yeah, she's, it's awesome. she sends, sends, he'll come down with a he'll bag just of go corn pick it. knock on the back door. <laughs> you know, like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Delivery. Yeah. <laughs> Cracking it off in the field for us. So when, that, when does the corn start? Corn uh, doesn't start for August, a minute. Yeah. yeah. A little just, while. Okay. So yeah. that's really cool when you come down and you can get yeah, fresh corn and you literally look across that the lock side there and you can see the corn like right there. Yeah, last year it was in the field right across, right across from us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I think it was last year, yeah. Couple it's always years, different yeah. in what's going on in the fields all around us. Oh, so they, they rotate? Yep. Yeah. It, there's a ton of uh, thought that goes into it. The, the yeah, pl- so the like what's the that? system with that? Because you have a lot of, there's a lot of space here that your family has. Yeah, so... 
Um, I'm the fifth generation, and um, my family's been farming here for over 150 years. And we probably, I'd say there's actively farming about 400 plus acres at any given time, but then there's also fields during that time that are, um, have cover crop or have other things going on in them. But we grow over 50 different fruits and vegetables. And yeah, it's just all rotated around growing wholesale commercially and then for sales through the farm market that's right next to Harvest Road. That's insane. So like, how does the, how does planning out 400 acres, what does that look like? That must be a lot of effort. Oh man. Looks like a lot of stressed out, hardworking farmers. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like There's that, people... It isn't, it isn't flow charts and, um, no. and it, GIS imaging and, and, you know, overlaying polygons and things like that. It's, uh, it's intimate knowledge of the land that comes with that, that, that history that Jenny alluded to that her family has, has cultivated. The and, weather previous years like it's amazing like some of our some of our fields like even down here the soil structure changes within like we're we gonna lose that umbrella oh this umbrella is gonna fall <laughs> for nobody for anybody that's not watching the video right now <laughs> yeah. there's an umbrella up like <laughs> i'm about to mary poppins its way out of here yeah, yeah it's almost gonna fly off um yeah the field the soil will change from like one end of the field to the other like Brendan and I were planting cabbages earlier this spring and it's just like at the top they go in so easily and then you get to the bottom and it's like mucky and harder and different and or like the way you put the rows in a field and going like north to south or east to west depends on what type of soil it is because sometimes it's easier to like move a machine all these crazy things that I continually learn and that's day by day from my family that I'm just like oh it's I not didn't. written down anywhere either, right? It's no, just it's just the all in their minds. <laughs> like, but something comes up, and then they know how to deal with it. Yeah, and you just learn something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jenny's got that in her genes, that encyclopedic knowledge that sort of is. I remember texting her, um, running the the tractor, uh, planting cabbages in the very field she's describing. I knew exactly what you were saying about the sticky because I, I texted her and I said, you know, like the planter keeps getting jammed up, and she's like at the bottom of the field. And I was like, yeah, at the bottom of the field. How do you know? She's like, oh, you got to go slower because it's the, the ground down there is always a little tougher. I'm like, how? We've spent 14 years together. You never told me, but you knew the difference of soil toughness from 100 meters from the, like. Well, it never walked, came up before. Yeah, it never came up. We'd never walked past that area, you know, and or been thinking about that kind of thing. So it's really neat to to see that. And that, I mean, it inspires me um, with the way that we develop recipes at the farm that are in tune with the seasons in the same way that the, you know, the family here is in tune with the land. I think a lot of people are very disconnected from food. Like they just think of food as this thing. They go to the supermarket or they, it just, they go to a restaurant. It's just, it, it's in the form that they get it on their plate. You right. know what I mean? They don't, there's not a lot of thought going into where is this coming from? Yeah. I mean, it's something we have to kind of be hyper, uh, hyper aware of in current days with, some of the, the sort of the harsh things that came out about factory um, slaughterhouses and feedlots and things like that that have that have been very topical during COVID, um, and and another one of those things that kind of gave us a sense of of a, like a sense of knowing that we've been doing the right thing all along, a reassurance. Um, because you know, that we didn't have to, we, we had no concern that we had to contact our supplier and say, Hey, are you getting this from Cargill or is, where's is this coming from? And not 
trying to throw any brands under the bus or anything. I'm just using names in the news, but um, we didn't have to do any of that research because we literally, you know, are within a walk from the, the place where we get our beef. And that's, that's something that not everybody has at their fingertips. So that's why I do say like it, you have to be cautious about um, what level of sustainability, where you set your benchmarks. Um, but if you set your benchmarks really high, it's very difficult to um, get yourself into a, into a situation where you're not comfortable with, with the product that you're putting out there. If you don't compromise on, on any of those steps of the way, um, it's reassuring in, in very many ways that, uh, that, you know, the health and safety and, and the quality of our product is never going to be compromised. It's almost like you guys have an unfair advantage in a way. <laughs> yeah. You just <laughs> have to level. pay three times as much. It's so unfair. <laughs> we, our costs are, uh, are a little interesting. I think if you, if we were sitting at a table with some other restaurant, um, our peers, you know, they're always appalled by, by what our, where our margins are because of our, co- our costs are just a lot higher. Yeah. You know, when you know the name, you're the first name of your, of the farmer who's bringing, bringing you your greens, you know, you're, you're paying a bit. That comes at that cost. A, and, but that's something that we've lived with, with where our price points are and, and the way that we modeled our restaurant, you know, that, that we do have volume that compensates for that. We have lots of folks come to the window. Um, and then our guests also, are participating in that cycle by paying a fair amount for what they're, what they're purchasing, you know, and, and you always say you love the value that you have at our place. Oh, it's amazing. If you look at the the bang for the dollar, as far as what you get, like you can go somewhere probably and get a cheaper burger, but it's just, why would there's, it's such a different universe that I wouldn't even fathom paying less for something that's like really shitty, to be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't have to be, and not everything is, but it's just such a different difference here that I would pay whatever you want for that burger, basically. That's how I feel, though. Right. And it, and it's not that it's actually not expensive, though. That's the thing. I don't think you're, the burger's expensive at all. No, I think it's still an approachable price point. And, like, for some people, you know, like, Brendan's kind of making a note of, it's interesting how local things can be more expensive. But if people are working towards that, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, every single day of the week, you know? If you just are kind of trying to work your way towards eating more local and spending a little bit more dollars towards this product than another, then yeah. that's a good start. Like I know in, I know in the market this, uh, this spring they've been busier than ever too. And it, I love it. it's like, I mean, yeah, the pandemic sucks, but people are, or at least around here, people really are like following through with supporting local and maybe kind of and it does get realizing more... like, oh yeah, we're on an island and there's lots of great products here. And it doesn't get any more local than what you guys are doing, though. Just the whole ecosystem of, like you said, the zero mile burger or or whatever, you know. Yeah. It really doesn't. Yeah. And have you, so have you guys? I'm, I'm, I just went completely off topic in my head, but surfing. Yeah. Have you guys been surfing lately? Uh, uh, when's the last time we got out? I tried to go like a month ago, but oh, I got skunked. Right. Yeah, Jenny did a trip. Um, with one of our friends who's now our, works with us on our team. I mean, it's so oh, it's so great how we get to surround ourselves. <laughs> is that is that the pastry? Uh, no. no, okay. It's my friend Marnie. Okay, because you do have a pastry chef now too, right? Or a baker? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're and we're that. super stoked. That's a new product, a new thing that we've we've toyed with in the past, um, and trying to find the sweet spot of uh, of nailing our our demographic right because our our hours have always been very interesting. We just kind of try and listen to 
what where the demand is through analysis um you know afterwards looking at numbers looking at when we were busy peak hours and trying to because we're owner operators and it's pretty rare for people to be down there and not see one of our faces um we we totally trust it when we are our absent our staff is really tremendous and we have nothing but the highest like i love the food they cook um it represents us just as much as the food that jenny cooks and um but this year, yeah, we've we started trying. We have a baker, Vanessa, who's been making these galettes. N- number one thing that uh, that are noteworthy. I'm mortified <laughs> yeah. that I haven't had one of those you things haven't. yet. No, oh, I haven't. Well, maybe we, there'll be some ready when we're done this podcast. Yeah, really? We, we might there have might to rip be. down. Oh, she's going to make some. Because but, so like, she's done, doing scratch pastry for that. Um, strawberries and raspberries from the farm, or and rhubarb from the farm, and so she's doing different. She, I think she had time. As well in the other in the, in the strawberry rhubarb strawberry rhubarb time yeah it's really yummy they're the pictures just, look insane yeah it's it's yeah. Oh, and they don't stick around that's the thing i mean that's it's one of the first things that i'm i've been doing like checklist uh in my stories of when we have them because uh no matter how hard we try to get her to you know stock our our coffers with them they they run out because people are loving them and you look at them and you can see why they're a really great product yeah they're so, gone yeah, I think cool. that's, that's why though I haven't seen them because when I've been here, they're already sold. <laughs> Generally, yeah. <laughs> that's a cool. Th- I mean, we used to we used to sell out of of stuff at the restaurant. You'd have those days where people were like, oh, "I got to try something different because you know the, it was back in the in, when we were establishing our 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 supply of meat and going 100 percent Mitchell beef, um, being dependent only on what we could produce. Um, you know, sometimes guys people would come up on a on a super busy august long and we'd have sold out but we'd still be open and they'd have something they hadn't had on the menu and then be stoked on that we kind of don't have really any 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 spots on the menu that you're not going to be pleased with that's a nice thing about having a small curated kind of menu board one interesting thing though that you did mention to me last time i was here i think was that because you are doing like 100 percent beef off the farm and now like this is your best year ever i think or, or something like you're going through the beef pretty quickly, right? Yeah, it's this yeah, one. it's and crazy. It's, it's not a situation where you can just be like, "Oh, we'll just bring some more in." It's like, well, we have to grow more or like raise more animals, right? And ramp up. I know with, with years in advance of of <laughs> forecasting. Like, how are we going to be sustainable in four years if it if we've gone up this much in these four? You know, so there's a lot of thinking in the background happening with Jenny. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, it's funny. Like, I'm always talking to my cousin. He's like. Okay, hold on. What do you need now? <laughs> I'm working enough as it is here. <laughs> yeah, you guys are getting too popular. Yeah, it's fun though. But yeah, like I ha- like this week we've gone through like 100 pounds of beef. That's crazy. In a week. Yeah. How many cows is that? Oh, that's not. Oh, one. Well, I guess that's one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Less than one. One makes it. Less well, than one full one. <laughs> yeah. But still, extrapolate that out over your whole yeah. season yeah exactly right. i mean like at it i i think the herd is around i think it holds around 80 i'm not 80 cattle okay. i'm not exactly sure i'd like, have to fact check that but that's like, kind of what what my cousin's trying to kind of maintain okay and is that sort of a limit that you could have or is that sort of where it's at no because they're so they have so many sales through our market too you know and that and like it take like you say it's a whole life that has to live. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, like we're yeah. It's 
We're it's not, not an on-demand product. No. Exactly. No. But the surfing. So when are you guys, when are you getting out to surf again? Hopefully Oof. this winter. I don't I, know. I, I start <laughs> gathering dust on my surfboards as soon as the season starts. And I have buddies come by. My buddy Will, who owns Barracuda Surfboards locally here, he came by and was telling me that there's a swell coming and I just say I don't want to hear about it <laughs> I gotta keep my I guess you are too busy right I gotta keep my head down yeah. I just pretend that there is no surf in the off season there because there generally isn't that great the quality isn't there but we we hit hard in the winter and um we did a I did a little Nicaragua trip this year went back to the old to the resort that we were the neighborhood where our resort was and visited all my friends who have who have opened new businesses down there and Got got to spend some time seeing how they've done and share stories about being entrepreneurial and it was pretty cool. Um, Jenny, had I was a, supposed to go. I was supposed to go to Mexico. <laughs> right when I got back, we were uh, dealing with an ailing family member. Our dog was was nearing near the end, and um, so we didn't want to leave him, and we, so we decided to take separate separate trips. And I'm uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's part of life. But, he was 18. But we got 18. Really, darn near, 18. yeah. We yeah. got a whole winter of bonus time with him this year. What was his name? Baxter. 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 We yeah. usually called him Boogie, though. Boogie. <laughs> I love yeah. that. <laughs> Shout out to Boogie. Yeah. Shout out to Boogie. Totally. Four yeah. on out for Boogie. Um, <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, Boogie. <laughs> totally. But yeah, so Jenny's still got a trip. Um, I got one in the bank. Because we were literally the day that, yeah, that the... everything came down and the travel advisory started happening. She was the day she was supposed to fly out, so. Yeah. She didn't get her trip, surf trip, so she'll be the first to go. She'll leave we'll leave in November, and I'll we'll stay cleaning the kitchen. Have you guys had any crazy experiences while you've been out surfing? Like any huge waves or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, you were basically attacked by that. Oh, those sea lions sea recently? Lions. That was weird. I never oh, had so that what's, happen. What's going on there? Because those are scary. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was surfing... Uh, a local wave that has numerical counts and I was at the first of the number um first reef at that sp- spot and that's also unbeknownst to me a, a, a nice breeding ground for sea lions and I went out early with like you pre- know this was like, yeah pre-dawn like pre-dawn. maybe an hour before dawn I was on the trail and uh oh there goes the umbrella but okay there we go no injuries sustained no, we're fine um but watch your headphones when you stand up Jenny but uh, yeah, I paddled out into what I thought was uh, an empty lineup, um, and as the the dawn started started to break, uh, I saw some bodies out in the lineup, and I thought, oh man, there's like 30 guys out already. How's that even possible? Like, it's a long, it's a bit of a hike in, you know? Like how? And then as I got closer, I noticed that it was sea lions, and really? then and I thought they'd just vacate the the space once I kind of went and took it over. And uh, they didn't agree at all with that plan. And I would have been so sketched jost- out. Jostled me off my board. And it was like that eerie kind of just like a little bit of light just breaking through. And so the contrast between the water and the horizon was very indifferentiable and just sort of a slick, uh, you know, melding of the two. And all of a sudden these shapes kind of come out and they move so quickly and you see one far away and then he goes underwater. And then all of a sudden he was right on, some of them were right on me and I had a little bit of a weird experience and got the heck out of there. (laughs) Obviously you made it out though. Did. Yeah. You made it out. Did for sure. I don't know what to, Oh, I was knocked out once in Barbados. Surfing. Yeah. 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 Usually the, the, yeah, we've had our adventures for sure. Yeah. This is a, (laughs) 
this scar is a testament to learn how surfing say comes with bumps and bruises for really? sure. Yeah. yeah. And what happened with getting knocked out? Someone dropped in on me and then we wiped out. And then when I came up for air, their board drilled right into my oh, forehead. No. And then I <laughs> was unconscious. That's so sketchy. Like getting <laughs> yeah. knocked out in the water. That's, that's not yeah, a good situation. Yeah, he had to swim out. He had to swim out and get me. Really? Yeah. So you saw it happen? Oh yeah. It was, well, I saw it happen and I didn't see the impact. I just saw the, the, the white water and didn't yeah. know that she'd been hit. But then the way that she behaved afterwards, I saw her just start paddling back into the impact zone, like the wrong, the one place you wouldn't go. She, uh, she, you could tell she, she wasn't making the right decision. So, yeah. and she was surprised when she, came, I got out there. She said, well, what are you doing out here? <laughs> and the guy had like a goose egg, like the size of this microphone on my head. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's just out there coming to save you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she got back on the board that trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, is there anything else you guys would like to mention? Uh, I I reckon thanking you for what you're doing, man, is, is something that needs to be, that's due needs, needs to be addressed. Um, it's selfless in every way. And I know that how much, uh, appreciation you share for our community and how the way that you, um, are putting your time and, and investing in this, uh, not just with the, the, monetary investment but the time that you've built uh what you have with vic food guys and uh and spreading and doing it completely just out of um your desire to to share the things that you love with uh with everyone else is you know it's pretty remarkable and and always makes me makes the compliments that you're generally very free with giving to me you know mean that much more because we respect you so much and uh and how, how hard you work and we're stoked we're stoked that you love our place and we're stoked that we yeah. became friends for sure. <laughs> that legitimately means it like a lot to me. Thank you. And you, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I can't thank you enough. It, it's intangible how, how much you, you've helped our business and, and it's that word of mouth. Yeah. You know, you getting the word out there and, and sharing and, um, your, your friend Bilal from, uh, that, uh, oh, Bilal was here. came out not that long ago and, and we call him the Mediterranean beard. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. He used to have a beard that was like super long. Wow. That's hilarious. Has he been out more than once? Or he just came once? with his family on yeah. Father's Day. And uh, and it just was like, he said, I'm f- friends with Vic Food Guy. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, of course you are. And and he and I were instantly friends. And and I love him so much. It was so cool. And it was, it was just a very obvious that, you know, you had spoken to him. He knew so much about our place, um, but he was so interested still. And, and it was so engaging the conversation with him and his family and wanting to check out, you know, where this was grown and what was happening out here. And it is, yeah, it was a testament to, to just knowing the sincerity that you, you carry when you share, you know, the stories that you're telling right now and, and, and you're super like the way that you're supporting our, uh, all of us entrepreneurs during, um, you know, this season that, that has really turned like like you said you know that the, the onus was on it all of us to take care of our own and and uh and support local and and just we're so we're so fortunate to to have uh, you know the community that's backing that and appreciate the part that you play in that man because it's huge no yeah. thank you very much and i and i want to thank like everyone i mean thank you to you guys for being as ethical as you are because it's a treat every time i get to come out here but everyone that like let's listen to the podcast, watch the videos, follow the Instagram account. Like I want to give a shout out to everyone that has done that, and sort of. Um, I mean, I I do kind of have a platform now where I can share this stuff, 
but it's only because people are interested and they and they follow along. Yeah. So so I think it's like a thank you to everyone. Because cool. without them, I can't. I would have no way of sharing stuff, right? Or nobody to share it to. Right. So and that allows me to to meet people like you. And I yeah, I love you guys. Yeah. So thank you. Right back at you. Right back at you. Bro. Okay. So if you want to see more, you guys are out here at Mitchell's Farm. What's what's the Instagram account? Is it harvest.road? Yeah. Harvest.road, R-D, spelt uh, like a road sign. Okay. And then do you have Facebook too? Do you have a website? There's no yeah, website. Yeah, we're on Facebook. Our website's getting built right now, actually. Oh, yeah, really? We're yeah, we're working on um, people being able to pre-order. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. So that's in the works. Yeah. That'll... But it's just harvestroad.com, but it's it's not happening quite yet. Yeah, we own the domain. We just don't have have it populated yet. <laughs> but <laughs> All in good time. Yeah, totally. Okay, so for anybody that wants to follow what I'm doing, you can check it out at vicfoodguys.ca. And I'll be back next Tuesday with the next episode. So thank you again, you guys. Thanks, Dallas. Thanks, Dallas. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.